Second Peter. Second Peter chapter one. And we'll start at verse thirteen. So if you have a Bible, that's towards the end of the Bible. Second Peter <coughs> chapter one verse thirteen. I think it is right to refresh your memory. <laughs> a lot of us need that all the time, don't we? Um, but in relation to the things of the Lord, I think it right to refresh your memory as long as, long as I live in this, the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. This is Peter writing. And I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And you can read of that back in the Gospels and the record that they give us concerning the time when disciples were with the Lord on the mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable and you'll do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises. So it's something that we need to give attention to as we think of these things. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, Last time I spoke here, we were looking at the coming again of the Lord from Acts chapter 1 and from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and from Hebrews 9. Mention is made there of the coming again of Jesus. Hebrews says he will appear again a second time. So he appeared once when he came into this world, born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, ministered in Jewry, or Judea, and, and the surrounds, died on the cross outside Jerusalem. And uh, now Peter is telling us he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, that was his first coming, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So the question that that necessarily asks us 
am I waiting for him? Because he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Now Jesus came to Bethlehem. That's outside Jerusalem. All the important people were in Jerusalem. But, but Bethlehem was about eight kilometres down the road. Like from, I don't know, here to Terry High High Turnoff. Would that be eight kilometres? About. So down from Jerusalem, there was Bethlehem, about eight kilometres away. So it wasn't to the rulers that he came. And uh, he came in lowly form, born in Bethlehem, laid in a manger, and cared for by Mary and Joseph. The influential, the rich, the people seeking a name for themselves were associated with Jerusalem, but not Bethlehem. And uh, today, people want to associate with the rich, the famous, the political, to further their own agendas. And uh, the gospel is for them, but it is also for the whole world. It's not just for those of influence and position, but the gospel is a message that is for the whole of the world. The Lord said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. All the world. <coughs> and it has been like that. Through TV, radio, internet, individual missionary work, Bible being translated into many languages and distributed. And there are, there are many stories of those who, doing that sort of thing, were protected by God. There's books about it. Brother Andrew's one, where he tried to cross the border uh, from one country into a communist country with a, a car loaded with Bibles. And the people at the checkpoint, for one reason or another, waved him through, not knowing that he had a, a carload of Bibles to distribute over the border. And so the Lord said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Aviation fellowship, mercy ships, all of those sort of things are means that are being used or have been used to take the gospel message to all the world. And uh, that is God's intention until the Lord Jesus comes again. Amen. Um, the effect of the gospel on individuals is amazing. You give up on egocentric ambitions. 
and centre on the advance of the gospel of God for the good and the welfare of others. That's what the world needs. Sad to observe that many people in their self-centeredness and their ambitions for their self and their own welfare and the advancement of themselves do so at the expense of others. But the gospel is not like that. It brings a message to all of mankind. Rich, poor, influential or not, the gospel message of salvation and forgiveness of sins is a message for all of mankind. Amen. You know, I suppose you keep up with somewhat with world events. Currently, there's a meeting in Davos in Switzerland by the WEF, the World Economic Forum. Members of the WEF are multi-millionaires, billionaires even, company leaders, political heads of government, and their agenda is to advance control over governments and economies so that then we will be better off. Personally, I don't think we will if they get that, take that position. Mm. But they want to in, uh, advance and increase this I, digital ID um, that is a control mechanism where you'll be better off owning nothing but being happy, according to some of the things that have been pushed by the WEF. Um, and with that sort of thing being endorsed and pushed, it will not be hard to see what the next step will be. After control of nations and economies and businesses, it would not be hard to see that that type of influential gathering would, there would be a man or a person that would take leadership, take control even of, for example, I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, but you can see that it could happen, take control of, for example, the WEF. And that's what the Bible speaks about when it speaks about a man of sin or an antichrist that is going to uh, have control in this world. He will oppose everything that's associated with God. I mean, that's happening in the world today, but there comes a time when these things will be pushed with a real force. And uh, the man of sin or the Antichrist will oppose everything that is of God. Um, now, 
there's talk of digital ID, identification. And it wouldn't be hard to see that that could result in some mark being placed on individuals. So they can't buy or sell or do business or go here or go there without permission because of the control that that would give uh, people in their authority. But when all their plans and purposes and programs are advanced, the Bible says that there's one thing they don't allow or adhere to. And that's what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. Concerning someone who would assume the leadership of such an organisation. I'm not saying this is what is going to happen, but it's possible to see how it could happen. And the Bible says that such a person would be called the Antichrist or the man of sin. Someone who is opposed to everything associated with Christ. The Antichrist. But listen to what the scripture says. This is what the scripture says. Even if that happens, well, it will happen, there will be an Antichrist, but how it happens, I'm not saying it's the way that I've just said it could happen. But the Antichrist, this is what it says, whom the Lord will destroy with the brightness of his coming. Second Thessalonians tells you that. The Lord will destroy with the brightness of his coming. Not the Antichrist coming or the arising of some man that's going to have authority over the, the masses. But the Lord will destroy when he comes. It's always good to look to the end. We can get involved in all sorts of things and wonder if ever there's a way out. But when you have uh, uh, um, an aspect or a, a vantage point of looking to the end, then you can take courage and be encouraged. Because Second Thessalonians tells us that concerning this man of sin that will arise, the Lord will destroy with the brightness of his coming. Let me read, um, well, let, let me say that in the coming of the Lord Jesus, Christians will be taken away from earth. Those that have died being Christians are going to be raised up. All people that have died eventually will be raised. But when Jesus comes, Christians will be taken away. Those that have died being Christians will be raised and together they'll meet the Lord when he comes. And the Bible says as a real encouragement 
and they'll be forever with the Lord. That gives me real encouragement to know that the very end I'll be forever with the Lord. And uh, I'll just read a couple of passages firstly in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and it's, it says concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him so what I've been saying is not just make believe it's scriptural and our being gathered to him we ask you brothers and sisters not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, from us whether by prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter asserting that the day of the Lord has already come even in, in uh, Paul's day they were saying that the day of the Lord had already come and he says don't let anyone deceive you in any way for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed the man of sin or the one who assumes leadership over the organisations of men on earth he will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God don't you remember when I was with you I, I used to tell you these things and so um, he speaks about the secret power of lawlessness is already at work and the one who is holding it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the splendour of his coming. The, the, the lawless one will use all sorts of displays of powers through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways of wickedness that use that to deceive those who are perishing. They perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. And uh, God sends delusion so that they'll believe the lie. But then Paul says, as an encouragement to those to whom he's writing, and to us but we ought always to thank God for you brothers and sisters loved by the Lord because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the spirit and through belief in the truth belief in the truth is the person of Christ and the scripture that we've been given he called you to this through our gospel now listen he called you to this through our gospel, Paul says. Why? That you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not share in the destruction associated with the Antichrist, the man of sin, but to share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us 
and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. And so may we be encouraged with that and not look at world events, oh, look at them with a, an understanding heart and eye because knowing the end, <coughs> we won't become perturbed by the things that are leading up to that. They will be severe. They will be very, um, very demanding in, in their demands. But the Lord Jesus, when he comes, he will deliver us from wrath that is to come. May God encourage us in that today. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity of opening your word and being instructed. You have words that are timeless, words that are applicable to any generation and thank you for your encouragements for us today so that we might have good hope and, and, and um, anticipate a glory that is yet to come associated with our Lord Jesus Christ in his name.